Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Cowardly is two different groups of people, I believe. The first are people who have started out serving God. They think, but they're not really dedicated. It's kind of like fire insurance. It's like the disciples that followed Jesus, and when finally Jesus said to them, Well, you're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. They said, well, Give me that again. You mean there's more to just as good food and miracles? You mean, you mean there's going to be some hardships there? Jesus said, Yes. And the Bible says from that point on, masses of people left. Victory is sweet. Whether it's running your first 5K, getting over a fear, achieving a professional accomplishment, getting there may not have been easy, but it's worth it when you've received your goal. As we'll hear today in Revelation, the overcomer written about in the letter to Smyrna achieves the most important thing. That person who remains strong in their faith through persecution and temptation by the world, who didn't love their own life so much that they would deny the Savior, that person overcomes the second death. That person is born twice, but will only die once to spend eternity with their Father in heaven. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 9, as he concludes our message entitled, Fearless. call yourself a Calvary Chapelite or a Christian or whatever, you can just hang your shingle on it. But if it isn't from the inside, you're not really that at all. What could we call some churches in our town tonight? Well, I wrote a couple names. The First Church of Satan of West Melbourne. Here's another one. Palm Bay Satan Church. Now, you won't find that out front, but Jesus would call them that. Why? Because no longer do they teach what? The truth. No longer do they teach the Word of God. God has left them a long time ago. Who is their leader? Is it God? No. See, there's only two leaders tonight. Satan or God. You say, well, that's a pretty bold statement. Now, notice I didn't name any churches. And we're not after doing that. But this is exactly what Jesus said to his own people. The synagogue here, put a name on it. Synagogue of Satan. Why? They're persecuting real believers. They don't even believe in Jesus. They're bowing down to Caesar. That can happen. By the way, that's going to happen more and more in our country. I was listening to a radio program and thought it was very interesting. It was a true story. A lady called in from California. She said this. I'm in a real dilemma. I'm in a, a church. And she, she gave the name of the church. I won't give it. It's not important. It wasn't a Calvary Chapel. Not that couldn't come. Then I'll hope it never come from there. She said this. We've been without a pastor for a year, basically. And we have numbers of pastors coming through that are just guest speakers. Now, we've had one that's come about four times. And he's an awesome speaker. But the last time he was there, he shared from the pulpit one thing, and she said, this bothers me. He got up and he says this, I like to practice Zen Buddhism. Now he says, I don't believe in all other things, but I just like to incorporate that in my quiet time. So she said, huh? So she went to the church elders, big church. The church elders met and said, don't get excited. Notice what he said. He doesn't believe in all that. He just incorporates it into his quiet time. 
So we're going to allow him. He's an excellent speaker of the word. It's fine. Don't get excited. Now, what would you do if you were that lady? See, she did what she tried to do. She went to the leadership of the church and said, this isn't right. I mean, how can he stand there and say that? This isn't right. And the leaders of the church said, it's okay. It's okay. So the pastors there said, you've done what you can do. You can pray for him, but you better find a church where the word of God is taught. And there's many of them. You see, that's what Jesus was saying. Now, you can have a shingle outside that says whatever. And you can walk around tonight and say you're a born-again Christian. But if it's not in your heart, there's a day coming when you're going to stand before God and God's going to say words you don't want to hear. You need to become a true Christian. Because if you're not serving God, you're serving Satan. Now, that's hard words. But that's the truth. And that's exactly what Jesus said here. What's happening? Well, he goes on. We thought that was bad enough news. But look at the next. Faithful unto five letters we don't like to hear. Death. How do they get? They get an A. Look in verse 10. Now do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Can you imagine telling that what they're already suffering? Poverty, slamming, no jobs, family separated, probably on the streets, many of them. He says, here's good news. There's more to come. Can you imagine being there in the service and say, oh, thanks a lot for this great postcard. He says, do not be afraid of about what, of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, you might want to circle this, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. I'll read you a little story that one of you wrote me last week about Satan in the book of Revelation. It's very interesting what a local church spoke to her about. And you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. The devil. He said, the devil will put some of you in prison to do what? Test you. Just right by that verse, John 10.10. What is the goal of Satan tonight? The goal of Satan is this. John 10.10 says this. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It has never changed. It will never change. Do you know that Satan is out to steal? and kill, and destroy you. What is he trying to do here? Well, one of the things he's really trying to do, as you can imagine what he's trying to do, he's trying to get them to renounce their faith, to turn their back in the face of fear, to throw in the tile, say, that's enough, we've suffered enough, we're not going to suffer anymore. It's the same thing that always happens from Satan. Just write down by that word here, fear is the enemy of peace. Fear is the enemy of peace. So Jesus says, do not be afraid. Now, why shouldn't we be afraid? Because Jesus says this, I know what you are about to suffer. See, everything in our hands, everything in our lives, God knows about. Notice they mention prison here. Now, really, in those days, they didn't have prisons like we would think. They'd have a few dungeons and whatever. But in those days, mostly, prison was simply a temporary place to try you and then take you where? To be killed. So, I mean, it's not like today. We, you know, one millionth of a percent of those people end up being killed. But there, when you ended up there, you're on the way to be killed. It was just a temporary mode. So what Jesus says is, I know about your future. I know it's going to get worse, but don't be afraid. Do you know tonight, God knows about your future? He knows what's ahead for you. He knows what's ahead for me. And he says to you tonight, do not be afraid. You say, well, I'm really fearful right now. Do not be afraid. 
Put your trust in God. Relax. He's in control. I wrote something. Notice it says persecution for 10 days. There's lots of different theories, and I don't have time to go into all those theories tonight. Some people believe it means a short period of time. Other people mean it specifically just means 10 days. Other people mean it's 10 different kinds of persecution over, over the next 200 years, and I think that's possible. I'm just going to take it as 10 days. So what does that mean? It means this. Notice there is no promise of immediate deliverance or relief. Huh. <laughs> In other words, don't be afraid, I'm going to get you out of this right now. You're not going to have to go through one more thing. He doesn't say that. He says, I know what you're about to suffer. It's going to last a short period of time. It could last 10 days. But notice one other thing. The suffering has what? A limit. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says that when we go through trials and tribulation, it's always limited by God. So what does that mean to me today? Study the parable of the hearer. Mark chapter 4. You see later... It says that when people come to Jesus Christ, some people fall away. Why do they fall away? It says in verse 17, when trouble or persecution comes, they quickly fall away. That's Satan's goal. He wants to make it so hard on us. Well, you, you know, every, and you hear this from a new Christian, I came to Christ and everything got worse. That does happen. But who's with you now? The all-knowing, the all-powerful, the creator of the universe is with you. He's going to help you. He'll get you through it. There is a limit to those kind of things. Be careful. Do not fear. Satan is a defeated enemy. James puts it like this. And I've never learned this yet. I quote it, but I don't learn it. Consider it pure joy. My brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that testing your faith develops perseverance. Hmm. Be fearless in persecution. Nothing enters our lives without God knowing it. Nothing. Every situation first passes through the loving hands of God. Everything that's in your life now, unless you're out in abject sin, just headed down your own road, then that's your own fault. But if you're, if you're following God, everything that's coming into your life goes through His loving hands. He knows about it. He's aware of it. He's given you the strength. And he tells you, and he tells me tonight, do not be afraid. You see, fear paralyzes. And you will start playing the what-if game. What if this, and what if that, and what if this, and what if that. And you're useless in the kingdom of God. Do not be fearful. Now, what's happening? Well, the reason we can believe that is because there is an ending to this. Romans 8.18 says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will one day be revealed in us. So the Bible says we will suffer, suffering is guaranteed, but misery is optional. When you go through trials, when you go through tribulations, will you become bitter or better? That's up to you. Because we will all face them. Do you notice some people face them even more than we do? And have you ever looked at a person's life and go, thank God that isn't me. I don't know how, I don't know how they're getting through it. Sometimes I visit people in a hospital or whatever and I, how in the, you know, their life is just one thing after another. And they love God and I go, I don't know how, well I do know how they're getting through it, but I think, man, I'm, thank you God. I don't know what's ahead for me. God knows. He'll get me through. He'll get you through. Those 50 families that left India, I don't know where they're at tonight. God's with them. The church at Smyrna that we just read about that's going on, is God with them tonight? 
He's with them. I don't know where their meeting is, but he's with them. He's with them. Now, it goes on and it says this, verse 10. Be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you the crown of life. This was a crown of joy and victory. It, it meant a lot to these people because in those days there were these all these athletic games and they were famous all over Asia. And this victorious athlete would wear this laurel crown. And so what this verse is really saying to them, there is a crown coming. There is victory coming. You, you may not see it here. You're going to be in the stadium. You're not going to be in the stadium to receive a crown. You're going to be in the stadium probably to face lions. But there is a crown coming. There is victory coming. And look at verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And then it's a very interesting word that's repeated in every letter. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. No one is an overcomer. Well, look at where this comes from. And I never knew this. A friend taught me this just in the last couple of weeks. The word overcomer is Greek for nikeo. And that's what Nike means. That's where they got their word, Nike. Just do it. Overcomers. What does it mean? An overcomer is one, in Revelation, is one who has remained faithful to Christ to the end. Stuck in there. Was used to this perseverance in their life. 1 John 5, 4 and 5 says this, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that hath overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? It's only those who believe in the Son of God. Notice what that verse says. He will not be hurt at all by the second death. What is the second death? It's a good thing for you to give to a person who is a non-believer. It's a very interesting statement. It says this. Everyone in life will go through one of two scenarios. Either you will be born twice and die once, or you'll be born once and die twice. Now, what is the second death? The second death, and I'll just give you the verses tonight. You can look them up later. are found in Revelation 20, verse 6. Revelation 20, verse 14. And then I'm going to read for you in a moment. Actually, I want you to turn there. Revelation 21. Just turn to Revelation 21. We'll get there in a moment. So what does this mean? What is the second death? The second death is the lake of fire. And Revelation 20, 14 says this, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. So this is what it means. If you're born once, naturally, and you're never reborn, you never come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you're not reborn, you're not born a second time, you will die twice. You will die physically, and you will die spiritually. You will end up in the second death where there is no exit, no return, no light, no God, no forgiveness, no peace. You have no chance of leaving there. But if you're born twice, naturally, and then you come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you're born again, you will only die once, physically. And even those who are raptured may not have to do that. Once, physically, because you will not undergo the second death. That's what it's talking about. Now, look at verse Revelation 21, 8. Just look at this. Look who's going to be in the second death. And I just want to challenge you that just for a moment. And then I have a great statement to read at the end and we're through. But the cowardly, 
the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolatries, idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. What is the cowardly? Cowardly is two different groups of people, I believe. The first are people who have started out serving God. They think, but they're not really dedicated. It's kind of like fire insurance. It's like the disciples that followed Jesus, and when finally Jesus said to them, well, you're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. They said, uh, give me that again. You mean there's more to just as good food and miracles? You mean, you mean there's going to be some hardships there? Jesus said, yes. And the Bible says from that point on, masses of people left. You see, if you're going to be a coward as a Christian, you're not going to really be a Christian. You will never be an overcomer. Because when it gets tough, you're out of there. So I think it's a dangerous thing to think about tonight. If you're following only because of fire insurance, you're not really, I don't believe you're really a true Christian. You need to be following Jesus Christ full on. He said, take up your cross daily and follow me. Now the second thing is this, the cowardly. These are people, maybe you tonight, you're not a Christian, but you're afraid to become a Christian because you're going to have to take a stance for Jesus Christ. So you value man more than you value God. The coward who will never stand for Jesus Christ, where will they end up? Second death. Dangerous place to be. Now, we go on, and notice these people in Smyrna are fearless. They're not going to face the second death. In Matthew chapter 10, and just write that down, 28 through 32, very important thing. And, but this is about, Jesus says, don't fear those that can kill the body, but fear those that can kill the body and the soul. And that's God. You see, he has rule. He doesn't want you to be in the second death, but you need to fear him and come to him because he will do that. He will accept you. Now, let's go back just to verse 8 where we started. Remember, somebody was reading this letter. Somebody was reading this letter to the church of Smyrna. Remember? Who was that? To the angels of the church. Well, history tells us the pastor of the church of Smyrna was a person by the name of Polycarp. When he read this letter, he read this letter. He was the pastor. Be like, if I was Polycarp, reading this letter to the church at Smyrna. Let me read you from history what really happened to him. Polycarp, bishop of Smyrna, was martyred on Saturday, this is a true story, on Saturday the 23rd of February, A.D. 155. It was at the time of the public games and the city was crowded. And the crowds were excited. Suddenly there went up a shout, Away with all atheists! Let Polycarp be searched for! No doubt Polycarp could have escaped. But already he had a dream in a vision given to him by God when he saw the pillow under his head at night burning with fire. And he had awakened that morning to tell his disciples, I must be burnt alive. A slave who collapsed under torture betrayed Polycarp's whereabouts. They came to address him. As they came, he ordered that they should be given a meal and provided for anything that they wished. While he asked one thing from them, may I have one last hour of prayer before you take me away. Now, not even the police captain 
of Smyrna wished to see Polycarp die. On the brief journey to the city, he pled with the old man, and he said this, What harm is there to say, Caesar is Lord, and to offer sacrifice so that you might be saved? But Polycarp was adamant that for him only, Jesus Christ was Lord. When he entered the arena, picture this now, when he entered the arena, there came a voice from heaven saying, Be strong, Polycarp. And the proconsul gave him the choice of cursing the name of Christ or making sacrifice to Caesar or die. Here's what Polycarp said. Now 80 and 6 years I've served him, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who has saved me? The proconsul threatened him with burning, and Polycarp replied, You threaten me with the fire that burns for a time, but is quickly quenched. For you do not know the fire which awaits the wicked in the judgment to come and an everlasting punishment. Why are you waiting? Come, do what you will. So the crowds gathered wood from their workshops and from all over town. And the Jews, even though they were breaking the Sabbath law by carrying such burdens, were first in bringing the wood to the fire. They were going to stake him, bind him to the stake. And Polycarp said this, Leave me as I am, for he who gives me power to endure the fire will grant me to remain in the flames unmoved, even without the security you give by nails. So they left him loosely bound in the flames. Polycarp prayed a great prayer. Now one church historian says this, that as the flames began to burn, they formed a tent around Polycarp and left him untouched. When the authorities saw that he was not burning to death, they ordered one of the soldiers to take a dagger and to stab him. Stab him they did, and the blood flowed out and quenched the fire as Polycarp died. It says this, then all the crowd marveled that there was such a difference between unbelievers and those Christians. Fearless Polycarp died a martyr for the faith. He's the one that many times sat and read the letter that we study tonight. I know what's coming. Be fearless. I've been there. You're going to go through it. Maybe to death, but you're going to be victorious. It says this, He who has ears to hear, let him listen. Are you listening? Am I listening? It will cost you to serve Jesus Christ. Not a popular message, but it will cost you more not to serve Jesus Christ. We were reminded today during our study through Revelation that suffering here is only temporary. Pastor Mark asked us to consider if we will allow suffering to make us bitter or better. The Word assured us that when we're faithful, even to the point of death, 
he will give us the crown of life, and that the person who overcomes won't experience the second death, which we read is the lake of fire. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark speaks about the mention of Antipas in Revelation and relates the account of what the faithful servant of Jesus went through. We will hear how the Church of Pergamum gets a lot of things right in their fellowship but are also warned about some things that might pose a danger to their church. They're the same issues that churches struggle with today and are a good reminder of what we face. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.